0: Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Hey everyone, it is great to be with you again. My name is uh, Andrew and I'm one of the pastors here at Mountain Park. Uh, Wherever you're watching this from, wherever you're listening to this from, I'm just, um, I'm grateful to be with you. Today we are starting a new series. This is a year-end series. We do a year-end series every year at our church And every year in the summertime, we begin to pray and ask God for a prophetic word for the coming year. And uh, we started doing that this year as well, even in all of the chaos of, you know, everything that's been going on. We've been asking God for a word for what's next. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to know from God that there's things coming next. And the word that he has given to us for next year for our church is come back. And in the midst of all of the craziness of life, the frantic pace that we live, in the midst of all of our experiences and expectations, In the midst of our hurt and our pain, in the midst of our failure and our shame and our regret, in the midst of our fears and in the midst of our apprehensions about the future, in the midst of all of it, Jesus is inviting us. I I really believe that the Spirit is inviting us. He's calling us to come back. And that comeback is actually a comeback in several different ways. We're going to unpack this over the next A few weeks together as a church. But that comeback is a comeback to God with our whole heart. That's what we're talking about today. But it's not just our whole heart. It's a comeback to God with our whole life. And not just those things, God is calling us to a comeback in our life, to a comeback over the things that have beat us up and tripped us up and knocked us down. He's calling us to actually follow him into a comeback over those things in our life that the enemy is meant for evil. God says in Romans that he'll turn them to good. And so he's calling us to stage a comeback in our life. And lastly, he's calling us to live with an intentionality that he is coming back. And so for 2021 as a church, our prophetic word is comeback. And um, you know, over the next few weeks, we're gonna invite you to pray and ask God for a prophetic word for your life. But I just want to uh, even just call you in right now and invite you right now to begin to come back to God, to begin to ask him how he wants you to come back. As we unpack this in the coming weeks, there's going to be lots of opportunity for us to come back to God. And Lord knows that after a year like we've had, um, we need a hope for the future. We need a sense of purpose. We need to know that God is leading us to what's next and that what next for us requires us to come back. You know, scripture is actually filled with God's invitation to return to him. Whether it is from Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible is filled with God's invitation to return to him. And uh, I just want to actually read to you a passage that deals with that and it's from the Old Testament in the book of Joel. And this is what God says in Joel 2:12. He says, even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes. Like, I want to see a desire to come back to me from the inside, not just the external stuff, not just sort of putting on a brave face, or not, not just returning to church, or putting on your Sunday best but actually I want to see a heart that desires me as Lord of your life. So tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Jeremiah talks about returning to God You know, both Joel and Jeremiah and many of the minor prophets and major prophets of the Old Testament, they were speaking to their own people. They were speaking to the Israelites in the midst of exile. So these were people that had been exiled from their home and from their community, from their families, some of them. They'd lost everything. And in that, in that space where everything had been taken from them, all of their hopes for the future, all of their dreams, even the promises of God, everything seemed to be taken from them. And the message of God to them was, if you will return to me with your whole heart, if you'll come back to me and place me in that first place in your life again, then I'll come back to you And I'll actually restore everything that was lost in your life. And this is what God's promise is. In Jeremiah, uh, God says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God because they will return to me with all their heart. That's Jeremiah 24, 7. In Ezekiel, he says this. This is what the Lord God says. Repent and turn away from your idols, Turn your faces away from all of your detestable things. What is God saying there? Because God's word to Ezekiel is the same word to us today, the same invitation to come back to him with our whole heart. This is what God is saying. He goes on to explain this. For when anyone from the house of Israel or from the aliens who reside in Israel, so anyone from the nation of Israel, or even people that are living in Israel as uh, non-Israelis. When any one of them separates himself from me, setting up idols in his heart and putting his sinful stumbling block in front of himself. So God is saying, look, what you're doing is not just an external thing. What you're doing is internal. You're actually setting up idols in your heart and you're placing before your eyes, you're placing before yourself a stumbling block. So what is he exactly saying? Because this is the key thing for us as we process what it means to return to God with our whole heart. What is it that he's actually saying? So God is saying, look, you've placed idols in your heart. What's an idol? Let's just do a quick uh, study of that. It's an image or representation of something to which we give extreme admiration or reverence, all right? So it's something that we put before us. An idol is something that we have out in front of us, put before us, that is an object or a person or a, a feeling or a desire or a thing that we give admiration and reverence to. It's actually a false conception, something we set before us in the place of God that occupies our attention. So idols aren't just these, you know, little wooden figurines that people make, or they're not just shrines that some people put in their house. An idol is anything that you place before God in your life. It's anything that occupies your attention instead of your attention being directed to God. It's anything that occupies your feelings or desires that isn't driven by God. And even, um, you know, Pastor Alex had a great word last week. And he, he mentioned to us that even fear itself is a form of idolatry. Why? Because fear puts all of the attention on us. It directs all of our thinking to us. And so many other things in our life are idolatrous because they put all of the emphasis on us. It's what I want. It's what I desire. It's the outcome that I'm looking for. It's the direction I want to go. It's the pleasure I want to feel. This is all a form of idolatry. And God is saying that this is actually taking place in our hearts. Uh, I have this quote here just from the uh, uh, a biblical dictionary. It says, The Bible understands that idolatry extends beyond the worship of images and false gods. So idolatry isn't just the overt, you know, uh, you know, worshiping a, a shrine you've set up somewhere in your house, maybe. It's a matter of the heart. Idolatry is a matter of the heart. Associated with pride, self-centeredness, greed, gluttony, and a love for possessions. Paul even went on to say covetousness, like wanting something that someone else has that isn't yours is a form of idolatry. Pride and greed and gluttony and a love for possessions. (laughs) These things the Bible all says are forms of idolatry. And so God is saying, you've got things in your heart that are directing your life away from me, your attention away from me. So, the second question we need to answer here is, you know, if we're going to come back to God with our whole heart, what is our heart? According to the Bible, our heart is not like, the, it's it's not just a feeling. It's not an emotion. You know, my wife, Rochelle, loves to watch romantic comedies. <laughs> I don't love them a ton, but she loves to watch romantic comedies. And part of the reason that I hate watching them is they're so predictable and they're so cheesy. And in the end, you know, like everything always works out and people always feel good about themselves and the situation always turns to good. And and what that person really wanted, they, they always get usually. Uh, but that's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the heart. It's not talking about just... Uh, how we feel, our emotional state. The heart, according to the Bible, is the executive center of our life. It's the innermost place from which all of our choices and desires and decisions are made. Our feelings, thoughts, and our will come from our heart. Our heart, according to the Bible, is the place that organizes and drives and directs our whole life. It's not just feeling a certain way. It's not just feeling warm, fuzzy feelings. When we talk about coming back to God with our whole heart, we're not just saying, hey, come back to God um, with warm, fuzzy feelings, and you've got to just really enjoy coming to church again. You've got to just feel like like so happy and, you know, on cloud nine. That's not what we're saying. When we say come back to God with your whole heart, when God invites people in Scripture to come back to him with their whole heart, he's saying, come back to me from that very place you make decisions, come back to me, the desires that are directing your life, would you be willing to surrender them to me? Your will, what you want for your future, what you want in the moment, what you want for your family or your work or your kids, would you be willing to surrender that to me? The heart is the place of our outlook, choices, and actions. That's what the Bible says the heart is, And God's invitation to you and I is to come back to him with our whole heart, not just with feelings, but to actually say, I'm going to decide today to actually um, place God at the center of what I want for the future, of the choices I'm about to make in my family or business or for my future. So setting up an idol in our heart according to this and according to scripture means um, you know, that we allow people, thoughts, feelings, desires, or wants, fears, or future hopes to direct our lives and influence our decisions instead of God. It's when other people carry more weight than God's heart for us, than what God would say would be good. It's when what we want for ourselves in the moment, carries more weight than what God says is good and best for us. It's what, uh, when we want the control of our lives, the predictability, when we want the outcome, a specific kind of outcome, uh, instead of actually relinquishing that to God, that's having um, the idols form in our hearts that he's talking about in Ezekiel. Dallas Willard, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, says this, The revolution of Jesus is a revolution of the heart. It did not and does not proceed by the formation of religious or social institutions or law. This isn't a a renovation. This isn't a coming back to church or structure or religious activity. Rather, it is preceded by the formation and influence of God on the human heart and will. It is a reordering of our feelings, habits, choices, and desires. It's a revolution of character. Coming back to the heart of God with our whole heart is a revolution of our character. It's a reordering of our feelings, our habits, our choices, and desires and a revolution of how we respond to and interact with brokenness in others and the evil influence of sin in the kingdom of darkness. So God's invitation to us all through scripture and God's invitation, his call to us today, the Holy Spirit is calling to us today giving us an invitation to come back to God with our whole heart, to come back to God with our desires, to come back to God with our will and our volition, to come back to God as the controlling influence, the the premier influence of our life. Our heart interacts with uh, six basic facets of our humanity. Every human being has these six basic things. Our heart interacts with our thoughts, which are images, concepts, judgments, and inferences. Our heart interacts with our feelings, those are sensations and emotions. Our heart interacts with our will, that's our choice. We get to choose what to do, what to believe, what to think, how to act. Our heart interacts with our body, Our heart interacts with our social context, the the people on the other side of our conversations and in our life, and the soul. Our heart interacts with our soul. The soul is the thing that actually integrates all of the above things into our life. And Jesus, when he came onto the scene, he told a story that illustrated our need to come back to God. If you want to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 15 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 15, Jesus used this story, it's a parable, and the reason he used the parable is so that he could give us a visual, sort of imagination driven and rich representation of what it's like to come back to God with our whole heart. And I wanna read this with you. Um, Luke 15, 11 to 32 is the parable of the lost son. This is Jesus speaking. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So right away, I just want to stop there. This young man, this younger son of the fathers basically is saying, Father, I don't want to miss out. I don't wanna miss out on everything I see happening in, uh, you know, in culture and in society, in my friends' lives and all of these other things. He's literally got FOMO. He's saying, Father, I don't wanna miss out on any pleasure that can be attained in my life. I'm afraid of entrusting. I'm afraid of entrusting myself and my happiness and joy and fulfillment to you. So God, uh, or Father, I'm going to take for myself the control so that I know that I can be fulfilled and happy. I know that I can do the things that I really want to do. So he says, look, I want what's coming for me in the future. I want my inheritance so that I can use it to give myself pleasure, because I don't trust that if I wait on this, I don't trust that if I defer this, I don't trust that if I actually, you know, seek a different way, that I'm going to be fulfilled in life. And so he says, Father, I want what's coming to me. So his father distributed the assets to both of his sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. I want to just stop there for a moment. So this son, who has a fear of missing out, he has a fear that if he doesn't take matters into his own hands and control his own life and destiny— that he's not going to be fulfilled, that his desires aren't going to be met, that he's not going to feel the exhilaration that he wants to feel from life. He squanders everything. And it says, after he had spent it all, (laughs) after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the land. In our hands, in his hands, his possessions, and resources quickly ran out. They ran out because they were no longer connected to his father. His father had a capacity to generate resources, to generate wealth from the things that he was running in his business and his family. His father had a capacity to renew and restore wealth, but in the hands of the son, the wealth ran out quickly. And so often what we want is desire. We want our needs met and we want them met in our own way. And then we get frustrated when they're not fulfilling anymore. We get frustrated when we run into a dead end and and we feel empty and broken inside. And the reason is, is we're trying to find fulfillment. We're spending our inheritance disconnected from the father. And that's what this young guy experienced that in his own hands, spending it his own way, his resources quickly ran out. The father was always producing more and the son would have always had what he needed. Every need of his would have been met if he would have stayed connected to the father. And yet you and I are so like this. We feel like we we have to take the control. We have that FOMO experience. We want the pleasure. We want the gratification instantly. And so we ask God for the control, and he gives it to us. God says, you're free to make the choice. Live for whatever you want to live for. And we do, but then we find out that it's shallow and hollow and empty, that there's no substance to it, and that we're always craving more and more and more, but we're never fulfilled and satisfied because we've disconnected ourselves from the Father like the Son did. Not only had he spent what little he had, there was no fruitfulness in the place he found himself. There was no fruitfulness in the land around him he had squandered everything and then he realized that everything around him was unfruitful that there was no hope in any of it and some of you have been standing in that very spot where you feel empty and unfulfilled where you feel like you, you know you've tried everything to generate happiness and fulfillment and excitement and everywhere you look every place you turn whether it's drugs or sex, or relationships, or possessions, or um, you know the the affirmation of others, or or you know whatever it is. All of those things, there's no fruitfulness in them. And you've tried. You've gone from one to the other, and you're realizing I'm like this son who's sitting in this land that is barren. I have nothing. It continues on. Jesus continues on with the story. Then he went, he's talking of the son, to work for one of the other citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. No one would give him anything. He, he's basically selling himself entrusting his life into the hands of, you know, his boss and these other people. I think what Jesus is signaling to us there is that we will become enslaved to whatever it is we serve. This young man found himself enslaved to the the farmer, the, the owner of these pigs never had an opportunity to get ahead, was always lacking, was always starving and destitute and broke, but totally enslaved to him. And that's the reality of sin. That's the reality of our broken world. The the desires of our flesh, the things that you and I want so badly in the moment will actually only enslave us. We'll be like that young man who is, so hungry, he's trying to eat the the rotten corn that he's feeding to the pigs. And it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. Here's the question that you and I have to answer today. Have you come to your senses yet? Have you realized that these things that you're allowing to direct your heart, to set the course of your life, if they are not driven by God, they are empty. They will be frustrating to you. They will not be fulfilling and they will enslave you. Have you come to your senses to realize that happiness and joy and fulfillment is impossible apart from God? Have you come to your senses to realize that God knows you? He loves you. He actually knows better than you do what will cause your heart to come alive. Have you come to your senses yet to realize that if you took the courage and had the faith to entrust your heart, your desires and your want, the direction of your life to God that he would actually bring fulfillment to you? Have you come to your senses yet? And this is what Jesus goes on to say. So he got up and went to his father you know, I want to point out to you something that I think is really important as a part of this story, that the invitation to come back to God with our whole heart, the invitation is to come back to him. The father is the central figure in this whole story. He's actually the most important character in this story. There's a million sons like his youngest son. You and I uh, often are like this youngest son, but there's no one like the father. The father is the one, if the father does not uh, have compassion on his son, if the father isn't running to him and welcoming him back, the son is lost, it's hopeless, it's over. There's nothing else to do, nowhere else to go. But God's call for you and I to come back to him with our whole heart is a call to come back to him. It's not to come back to a list of do's and don'ts of ought to and should to and would to's. (laughs) It's not a call to come back to church or putting on your best face on Sunday. It's not a call to, you know, exercising religious practice. It's a call to relationship. It's a call to come back to him with your whole heart, which means allowing him to direct and lead your life, giving him the uh, things that you want so deeply and desire and trusting them to him and knowing that he knows better than you do what causes you to come alive that even in the midst of all that you've been trying to do to satisfy your own desires, to make the best way for your life, to secure your future and control the events of your life, realizing that they're all crashing and burning in on us. They always do. But it's God who invites us back to him, back into relationship with him. It's always about him. David knew what it was like to come back to God with his whole heart. David knew uh, deep uh, regret and shame and sin. Not only did he commit adultery, but he committed murder after to try and cover it up. David has been to the lowest of the low. He's done the worst of the worst. And this is what David said when he recognized that Things were going sideways in his life and he needed to come back to God with his whole heart. He said, for I'm conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He goes on to say in Psalm 51, you don't want sacrifice or I would give it. You don't want the do's and don'ts or the checklist Christianity. You're not pleased with burnt offerings. You're not pleased with me just doing stuff for you, just simply serving God. Is, it's not what he wants. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want just your activity. David said this, the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humble heart, God. What was necessary for the son jesus said when he came to his senses when he realized how desperately he needed his father he turned around and went back to him our problem today is that we we don't really have that sense of remorse or guilt for what we've done dallas willard says this few christians live with any real sense of remorse for what they've done or thought that's evil. There is little awareness of being lost or of a radical evil in our hearts, bodies and souls. It is common to hear Christians talk about their brokenness, but when you look more closely, they're talking about their wounds, the hurts of their life, the things they have suffered, not about the evil that's in them. Few have discovered that they have been disastrously wrong when he came to his senses and that we cannot change or escape the consequences of it on our own without the realization of our utter ruin and the genuine redirecting of our lives, we will steadfastly remain on the throne of our own universe so far as we are concerned. Are you done with pretending? Are you done with trying to find pleasure and joy in everything except for God? Are you done with pretending to follow God, but actually in practical reality, living like you are in control of all of your desires and decisions? The Bible says today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. Today, if he's bringing you conviction, do not harden your hearts. The truth is none of us knows how many hours or days or months or years we have left. We can't control that. And so the call is for us to come back to God with our whole hearts today. The call prophetically for our church is come back. In 2021, to come back in the beginning place is to come back to God with our whole heart to allow him to lead and direct our lives, to entrust him with the things most precious to us, our desires and wants, the the things that we so long for, to actually surrender those over to him and to trust him with them. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, it's time to come back to him. Let's just pray together as we close here. I just wanna invite you to close your eyes and I'm just gonna lead you in a bit of a process here of just praying and the first thing we need to do when we wanna come back to God with our whole heart is recognize our need for him. And so as your eyes are closed, I just wanna challenge you to, to just make a simple statement. Father, I recognize my need for you. I've been trying to satisfy my life with so many things and so many times I've filled with so much regret and shame and remorse and guilt and all of these things, I recognize I need you. I want you to even just picture yourself as that son on his hands and knees in the mud, trying to eat the scraps that the pigs would eat, feeling hopeless and lost, and destitute. Father, we recognize our total need for you. And if you can, I wanna call you to have the courage to just say, God, I humble myself before you and invite you to show me the weight (laughs) of the emptiness and hopelessness of the things that I've been chasing. Let me feel it viscerally like that son did. And as we're in that spot, the second thing we need to do is renounce. We need to renounce those things that we have placed ahead of God in our life. We need to renounce our wants, the things we want for ourselves, without actually allowing God to direct them. So as your eyes are even closed now, I just want to invite you to ask... Jesus to reveal to you any desires or decisions or thoughts or feelings or actions that have taken God's place in your heart. I want you to ask Him what has been leading your life apart from God. And as these certain things or situations or relationships or, you know, pursuits for pleasure or money or things you've said or done come to mind, we need to repent. We need to turn back to God and say, Father, I repent for holding this above you in my life. I repent for desiring to direct my own life. I repent for gratifying what I want in the moment all the time and not trusting you with the very things that I want and desire and long for in my life. And as you do that, I want you to just picture yourself as the son. You're walking and off in the distance, you see your father and you're expecting that he's just sitting there (laughs) waiting for you. Maybe you're expecting that he's upset and angry with you still, that he's going to give you the cold shoulder. But to your surprise, the father stands up and he starts running to you. Imagine the hope And the joy that filled that son's heart as he watched his father running toward him. You know, often we think, you know, coming back to God with our whole heart is us doing all the work. But it's actually the father. As soon as we turn around in your heart, even as you're in prayer, as soon as you're turning around, it's God who's running towards you. I want you to picture the face of the father as he is meeting the son and embracing him, so happy that he's back, so overjoyed. And lastly, I want you to ask Jesus to renew you today. The father didn't parade his son around in shame, and Jesus has no intention of doing that either. He wants to cover you in his grace, and his mercy, and his love. He wants to fill you with purpose and hope again. David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Father, we just ask that you would do the restorative work you need to. We just wanna say today that we are coming back to you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this series, Come Back, we're just beginning it. Next week, we're gonna be talking about coming back to God with our whole life. And um, we're gonna keep working through this series, but I wanna challenge you to continue in with what we've started here this morning, to actually begin every morning to ask the Holy Spirit, are there things that I'm holding in place of God in my life? How do I surrender my whole heart to God on a daily basis? Just do what we just did together and you will begin to see your life transform. I can't wait to see you next week for week two of our comeback series. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.